The water volume is greater than we've ever seen before. Tonight on Global News Hour, under evacuation order, flooding in BC's southern interior as residents brace for rising waters. And then. It's got them uh, fairly well worried. A growing wildfire, the latest on the situation in McBride, while Alberta declares its own state of emergency. Plus. These tenant protection policies are great, but if there's nowhere for folks to go, it's going to effectively stall any new development. More on a motion to Vancouver City Hall to throttle so-called demovictions. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Thousands of people remain under evacuation order or alert in BC tonight due to the threat of flood or fire. Wildfires have forced people out of their homes near McBride and Fort St. John. The flood situation is also critical, particularly in Grand Forks and Cache Creek tonight. Brett Bella has the latest. Just what BC's battered interior didn't need this weekend. More rain, more water. There is, there's a a level of stress in the community and concern. Evacuation orders expanded Saturday in Grand Forks, the water reaching the same level it did three years ago. Residents on an additional 40 properties ordered out as the water creeps ever closer to town. We are doing our best to try to, where we can mitigate and where we can protect, we are going to do that. But some areas can't be protected. Parks are flooded and volunteers fill sandbags by the truckload. Lily always impresses me how the community comes together in Grand Forks. The tiger dams and sandbags hold back what they can, but even the footballs are getting out of town. Recognizing that that uh, the rain that's on the ground needs to work its way through, so we'll continue to be we'll continue to see rising levels in the rivers uh, through to tomorrow. And Farther west, Cash Creek has dodged a bullet. The rain not coming down as hard as expected this weekend. Boulders are the frontline soldiers in this flood battle. Rocks and gravel strategically placed, encouraging the water back into its normal channel. The water volume is greater than we've ever seen before coming down Cash Creek this year. It's just astronomical. At the height of the flood, large parts of Cache Creek were underwater. Still, this is an improvement. Mud makes the fire hall inaccessible, but at least the water is no longer flowing through the building. We gotta get a building assessment set on it first, just to check the foundation and stop, and if we get in there first, pulling stuff out, clean it up. Traffic is also once again flowing through the village. People passing through greeted by an empty landscape. First, the cleanup then the hard work of trying to prevent the next flood will begin. The plan has yet to be developed in order to find a permanent solution so we don't have to go through this year after year. The village has extended its state of local emergency for another week. Brett Bala, Global News. Rising waters are also a concern in the Okanagan. An evacuation alert has been issued for more than 60 properties near Okanagan Falls as homes there are now under threat. Jaden Wozni reports. Seventy-seven properties near Shuttleworth Creek are under evacuation alert, forcing residents in the affected areas to protect their homes and prepare to leave. An evacuation alert is issued when certain criteria are met. We really hope homeowners take a look at the website and refresh themselves as to what's the next step. If it does go south a little bit and an evacuation is order is issued, for the past several days, Okanagan Falls resident Dominique Kruger has been closely watching the water levels in the creek as her home is mere feet from the raging water. I am shaking right now. 
It is nerve-wracking and I'm worried not just for my own place but everybody else who's downriver and it I'm just thinking of all the devastation. Kruger adds she takes the evacuation alert very seriously, packing extra clothes and essentials she may need if she's forced to flee her home. We've got a few bags ready at the door to go. The hitch is on the truck so that if we need to, we can grab our trailer and go. For other residents like Sholi Pakel and her family, this scene is all too familiar. They were forced to evacuate in 2018 while their home was battered by floodwaters, and she fears it may happen again. I'm nervous. I feel like I don't want to go through another flood. It was really hard. It was traumatic, actually. While it's an understandably difficult time for many in the area, the mother of two is just trying to stay positive and hopes the water levels in Shuttleworth Creek will soon recede. Just trying to keep a brave face for them. Um, but yes, definitely, we check the creek multiple times a day. We call ourselves Creek Geeks. And it's our routine now. We just come and see how's the, how's the bank? Is there still room to go up? While many residents we spoke with say they've been feeling on edge about the situation, there isn't any reprieve in the forecast just yet. We're tracking rain in the forecast across the Okanagan Valley. The potential is there to see some heavier pockets. We could see thunderstorms and anywhere between 15 and up to 35 millimeters. Jaden Wozni, Global News, Okanagan Falls. A state of emergency remains in effect for the village of McBride due to a wildfire. The Tear Creek fire has grown dramatically to about 600 hectares and is considered out of control. In McBride, about two hours southeast of Prince George, 61 properties are under an evacuation order. 360 are on alert. Nearly 300 properties are also on evacuation order or alert in the surrounding regional district. McBride's mayor says fire activity calmed down overnight and flames have only reached about 5% of the community, but residents remain concerned. If that fire hadn't died when it did, I don't know what would have happened to McBride because I tell you this thing was a monster. And if it would have turned in the direction of McBride, it, it didn't care about the Fraser River. I'll, I'll tell you that. The mayor says the blaze originated from a controlled fire that was legally started by a farmer on Tuesday. A state of emergency has been declared in Alberta where almost 400 wildfires are burning, 36 of which are out of control. The Alberta government says the declaration is needed in order to get the wildfire situation under control and allow them to access emergency funds and mobilize additional supports. More than 24,000 people have been evacuated from their homes. Let's head live to Jasper, Alberta and global reporter Jamie Dahl. And Jamie, what can you tell us about what's happening there tonight? Well, Julie, as you mentioned, hundreds of fires burning in this province tonight. Four massive fires out of control west of Edmonton, the largest one just outside the small community of Edson. Uh, it's about 34 kilometers southeast of that community. And last night around 5 o'clock, 8,000 people were forced from their homes, heading west, heading towards the mountains, evacuating to where I am right now here in Jasper, just outside this evacuation center where so many 
many people have been coming here, putting in, uh, put in, up in hotels. Some people are being put into homes where people are opening their doors for them. And Parks Canada is offering free park passes and also free camping to anybody who wants that. But it has been an absolutely frantic 24 hours of so many people in this province. I am very worried. <laughs> However, I'm with my family, so that's all. We all got yeah. out. We're all safe. I've lived in this area all my life. I, I've never seen anything like this in Alberta. Have vehicles topped up. It's just common sense stuff. And when the evacuation was called, bam, we were good to go. But unfortunately, so many people weren't. We talked to people that had moments, moments just to throw in a bag, clothes, maybe a little bit of food and water, and then they were off. And so much uncertainty tonight. Everyone hoping that they can return home soon. Now, here in Jasper, the municipality just told us that there could be some power outages here because some of the infrastructure, a substation, is now being threatened by that fire. So they are telling people to be prepared for having no power, but they couldn't say exactly when or how long that could last. Julie? All right, thank you, Jamie. That's Jamie Dahl reporting live for us tonight. An emotional day today for the family of Ethan Bestflug, the 17-year-old fatally stabbed on a Surrey bus last month. Final goodbyes were offered at a private service, but as Julia Foy reports, there was also support today for the family from a father who has faced a similar tragedy. Yeah, and I had a lady make this picture with the angel wings. Abbotsford mom Holly Indridson looks over the collection of flowers and candles she's received in memory of her 17-year-old son, Ethan Bestplug. She's just returned home from saying final goodbyes. We had his cremation and uh, we had some family and his close friends there, so that was really nice. And I asked everyone to wear his, his color because it just felt right. That's the color he walked around in all the time. Ethan's life came to an end on April 11th after he was stabbed on a Surrey bus while on his way home. It was eerily similar to the tragic death of 18-year-old Jamie Kehoe in 2011, who also died after being stabbed on a Surrey bus. Nice when I heard this story, it was so similar to my son's and I hold an annual event to raise awareness against bullying and, and violence and uh, it's called JK All Day. On June 17th, the free JK All Day event held at the Cloverdale Skate Park will feature Ethan Bestplug's name alongside Jamie Kehoe's on official t-shirts. Kehoe brought a few along to give to the family. It's really, really heartwarming to see all these people wearing a shirt with my boy's name yeah, on it and now right. your boy's name is like, on it as well. So this yeah. small gift packed an emotional punch. I do think it's a beautiful event and I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm very thankful. It's, it's beautiful. It's amazing. I love it. JK all day. Really appreciate it. A little bit of light on a very dark day. Julia Foy, Global News. An update to the disturbing early morning drive-by shooting in Surrey Friday that left one man with serious injuries. Sources confirmed to Global News the victim is Nitu Kang, a well-known promoter of the sport Kabaddi. He was shot just after 8 a.m. outside his home near 81st Avenue and 144A Street. Surveillance footage shows the shooter arriving in a white SUV and waiting for the victim. Soon after, a burn vehicle was found along Colebrook Road. RCMP say the shooting does not appear to be random. The car that did the shooting like came around 7. 
and they just waited for an hour for him to come out and then they shot him. Well, I was up like five minutes before it happened. Then I just like, I came out of the washroom and I just heard shots, like shots firing. So far, there are no suspects or word on motive. RCMP says early indications show no links to the BC gang conflict. It was a week ago today that 36-year-old Urshad Iqbal went missing while out with friends in Vancouver. Those friends and family have now launched an extensive search, hoping to find him or at least solve the mystery of what happened. Travis Prasad reports. With no sign of Urshad Iqbal, his friends and family are putting up posters downtown. But that's just the start of their effort to find their loved one. Today's going to be a tough day for all of us, but I, can, I see a lot of great success coming out of today as well. Close to 200 people are splitting into 32 groups, each searching a section of the downtown core. This map shows they aren't leaving any corner unchecked. The purpose of today is to get everybody out here to produce new leads, to aid the VPD in their search as well. Um, at this point in time, they don't have any new information for us. Search crews gathered Saturday morning at the Plaza of Nations, where Urshad was last seen on April 29th around 2 a.m. when he became separated from his friends. His last sighting was in this vicinity here. Um, from here, we don't really have a sense of direction uh, as according to VPD. So we'd like to, again, urge the public and community and people who are here at the event that day to speak out. Vancouver police releasing images taken from downtown security cameras that show Urshad the night he went missing, hoping they'll jog somebody's memory. Be on, be on foot as much as you can. Let's do this, guys. Because we got this. In their voices... And on their faces, the concern is evident. Urshad's family says it's out of character for him to be gone this long. One week into his disappearance, no one is giving up. Then we start from there. Finding strength in numbers as they look for answers. Unity, community, you know, we just want to bring my brother back home. Urshad is five foot eight and 155 pounds with a medium build. He has short black hair and a black beard. Anyone with information is asked to contact the VPD or Crime Stoppers. Travis Prasad, Global News. A young pedestrian has been badly injured in a car crash in Burnaby. The vehicle left the road at an intersection and ended up in some shrubs. It happened on Willingdon between Central Boulevard and Imperial just before 2 o'clock this afternoon. RCMP say a teenaged pedestrian was struck. He was rushed to hospital with very serious injuries. The driver remained on scene. No word on what caused the crash. The area has been closed off to traffic. In Surrey now, a woman has died after being hit by a vehicle Friday night. RCMP responded to a report of a pedestrian struck at Scott Road and 103A Avenue just before 11 p.m. Police say the woman was attempting to cross an area without a crosswalk. The driver remained on scene and is cooperating with police. The incident is still under investigation, but alcohol and speed are not believed to be factors. Anyone with dash cam footage is asked to call Surrey RCMP. The big push to create more housing in B.C. is also putting some affordable housing at risk. To address that, Vancouver Council is considering a motion to slow down so-called demovictions. Grace Key reports. This apartment on West 10th is steps away from the Broadway corridor and currently on the market. Tenants at this low-rent apartment fear renoviction or demoviction is in the future. I would think in the Vancouver market it would be silly to try to buy this and then maintain it. Like, you'd have to be kind of... A pretty altruistic <laughs> company to do that. 
Vancouver City Councillor Pete Fry says 2,000 renter households a year could be forced out due to the Broadway subway plan. He wants to introduce a motion that would monitor the number of renovations and demolitions. With the vacancy rates in Vancouver, there is nowhere for folks to go. And so my concern and what the, the nature of this motion is, is to deal with some of the loopholes that could potentially lead to a more rapid pace of, of demoviction of, of tenants in, in Mount Pleasant and in, in Fairview, all across the Broadway corridor. Councillor Fry says the city approved a newly renovated building for rezoning. He says it's an emerging trend and a loophole that doesn't require the same level of tenant protections. It gives you the option to return at the new rents, and that's about it. So it was, it was gutted to the studs. All the tenants were removed. Uh, new tenants were brought in at new market rents. And then a year later, uh, they filed for a redevelopment. So all those new tenants were kicked out uh, with very little tenant protections because they hadn't been there that long. Councillor Fry would like to see a mechanism in place that would limit the demolition of older rental stock. Council rejected a similar pace of change policy in March. Critics argue the tenant relocation and protection policy already offers protection. But tenants feel they are being squeezed out of affordable rentals left in the city. The rent is pretty, it's reasonable. I actually make like the appropriate part of my uh, budget, you know, in renting in the city. So I know anywhere else I'm going to go, it's going to double immediately. The motion goes before council on Tuesday. Grace Key, Global News. Burnaby wants to build a new city hall at Metrotown. The city says the current one on Canada Way is almost 70 years old and in need of major upgrades to bring it up to code. That, they say, would cost $70 million, so they figure the money is better spent on a new building. A public engagement process will be launched later this spring. Coming up on Global News Hour, the day royal watchers have been waiting for. We have key moments from the coronation of King Charles in London. And then looking back at the memorable visits that King Charles made to BC, and the news hour continues. King Charles III has officially been crowned during his coronation in London's Westminster Abbey. Crowning was followed by a lot of fanfare as the king sat in a throne holding a golden scepter. Crystal Gumansing has highlights. Today here in London, we saw King Charles charting his own course, but once again, royal celebrations led to memorable occasions for a number of families. I, William, Prince of Wales, pledge my loyalty to you and faith and truth I will bear unto you as your liege man of life and limb. So help me God. A pledge to his king, a kiss for his father, and a thank you whispered in return. The coronation of the king may focus on one family, but it was a bonding moment for many. Yeah, family moment, history in the making, live history. I'd like for one day for them to say, yeah, I, I was at the coronation with my dad back in whenever. The service made history in a number of ways. God of compassion and mercy. Never before have we heard the sovereign pray out loud, and never before have non-Christian leaders taken part. Some moments were still too sacred to share. The Archbishop of Canterbury anointed the king on his head, chest and hands, away from peering eyes. But there was no hiding the family drama. His brother, Prince Andrew, did not play any official role, but attended wearing the Order of the Garter, the oldest and most senior order of chivalry in the UK. And Prince Harry walked into Westminster Abbey alone, 
Meanwhile, the woman he called a villain in his book is now queen. Diane Brayerton got emotional out along the mall, talking about the coronation, recalling her grandfather's role in the last king's coronation. He was selected as a color sergeant to march in the king's coronation. That would be King George V in 1911. And here is his, uh, this is his inv invitation. Color, color staff sergeant John Mills, 36 Peel Regiment. I'm getting tearful now. I'm just thinking, that's my grandfather right there. So here I am, 112 years later, you know, not marching in it, but uh, being here for the coronation, and it just means the world to me. Canadians have a long history in coronations. That tradition was on display again as five RCMP riders were featured prominently on horses given to the royals by Canada. While the pageantry was breathtaking, it was the crowning of the king that captivated this crowd at an overflow screening location and brought them to their feet. Coronation celebrations will continue over the weekend with a massive concert Sunday in Windsor. Crystal Gamanson, Global News, London. King Charles has visited B.C. six times, most recently back in 2009. The then Prince of Wales and Duchess of Cornwall arrived at Victoria's Christchurch Cathedral for a special Sunday service. Charles and his sons, Princes William and Harry, visited Vancouver and Whistler in 1998. Charles also was here with first wife Princess Diana back in 1986 for Expo in Vancouver. They also made a stop in Prince George. We asked people in Vancouver thoughts of today's coronation well I actually at this moment I don't care I uh, I care more about the economy uh, and the price of stuff these days honestly it's not that interesting because uh, we're a different country and it shouldn't really matter and why do we still have a king I think he should have handed it over to his son I think that he's too old <laughs> yeah we need some fresh fresh blood and make the monarchy more relevant. Well, just ahead on Global News Hour, the challenge of trying to work in Canada. We'll tell you about a doctor from Ukraine who just wants to practice here, but is encountering all kinds of hurdles. Stay with us. A popular tourist attraction near Hope will remain closed for another year due to flood damage. BC Parks says access to the tunnels was badly damaged in the November 2021 atmospheric river that devastated the upper Fraser Valley. It was closed one and a half years ago, and this Friday, BC Parks informed public that the park will remain closed through to the 2023 season. The Park Service says debris has been cleared out, but bridges and tunnel portals have been undermined and are not safe. A B.C. member of parliament is calling on the federal government to speed up efforts to allow foreign trained doctors to practice in Canada. A case in point is a Ukrainian refugee who is a trained surgeon but has been forced to take on another job here in B.C. And as Paul Johnson reports, it's all happening while a doctor shortage has put lives at risk. So as a surgeon, I worked for uh, almost three years in Ukraine. Meet Bill Jacobs a recent newcomer to Canada whose hope was to keep going here in his career as an abdominal surgeon and then as a GP until he found out how much time and money it would take to get certified in BC. 
unfortunately, uh, at the moment, uh, I would be able to use, I have to take the whole study from, let's say, from scratch for another six or eight years. Six to eight years and about 300 grand in costs, he says. You won't be surprised to hear that with a family to feed, he's got the medical career on hold and is working as a management consultant. I met a Uber driver in Ottawa a couple months ago, and he is a, is a surgeon also. Mark Dalton is the MP for Pitt Meadows Maple Ridge, who introduced us to Jacobs. Dalton says that given the current state of our medical system, he's pushing for a whole-of-government effort to find ways to get foreign doctors here working as quickly and as inexpensively as possible. He thinks we can do it without jeopardizing standards. Well, there's a will, there's a way, and I sure hope there is that increased sense of will to get something done on this because Canadians are suffering from this. Jacobs tells us that he's still interested in returning to medicine if something could be done to reduce the barriers. At 44, he's got potentially many years ahead of him treating patients. If Canada's system could figure out a way to make that happen. When I came into Canada, definitely that was my first thought. In Maple Ridge, Paul Johnson, Global News. Coming up on Global News Hour, from the darkness into light. More on the walk that is raising awareness about mental health issues. That story and the forecast when we come back. BC's big news. The 2023 Canadian Screen Awards have named Global News Hour at 6 the country's best local newscast. Thank you, BC, for making Global News Hour at 6 your choice for news. Yvonne is here now with the weather and is the word of the day dreary or <laughs> meh? Meh. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a great start to our weekend. Thanks, Julie. Good evening, everyone. We had a few isolated showers depending on where you are along the coast, and we are going to start to brighten up and improve on our long-range forecast, and I'll have more coming up in just a moment. We're currently seeing a mainly cloudy sky to the airport. Temperatures are sitting at 13. We've got a light southeasterly winds at 13 kilometers per hour. We are still tracking some shower activity for the interior this hour. That is key across the region. I'll have more on the flood forecast in just a moment, and we do have some stability and that's across the central interior where we are looking at the risk of thunderstorms some strong cells through that region we can see some lightning popping up just near Prince George and there is going to be that instability once again for tomorrow with the risk of thunderstorms so that's an area of concern and it includes all the way in towards Quinnell and a few spots near Williams Lake most areas along the coast though dry conditions we've got a nice break in the action Metro Vancouver overnight tonight it'll be a mainly cloudy sky we may see a pop-up shower for tomorrow morning and then it should start to ease off. By the afternoon, we'll have some breaks in there and temperatures will bump up to 15 as a daytime high. Flood warnings still remain in effect. The boundary in towards the Okanagan as well as Cache Creek, those are the areas of concern underneath the flood warning. Areas in yellow, that's the high stream flow advisory and the flood watch for all areas in orange will continue to watch us in the coming days. We're still seeing that snow melt and we've got additional rainfall in the forecast especially across the central interior and we are going to see that change as we get in towards next week with warmer temperatures on the way.
Now the northern half of the province along the coast will bump up to 11 degrees. Tomorrow for the central interior, there's that risk of a thunderstorm once again. It even extends in towards the peace for areas near Fort St. John. Southern half of the province, it's isolated showers, not much in terms of precipitation, but there's still a bit of instability. The Thompson region for Kamloops up to 16, Castlegar similar in areas near Cranbrook bump, bumping up to 14 degrees. Isolated showers and that cloud cover will be for the morning hours. We're hoping to see some breaks, especially as we get in towards the afternoon. Fraser Valley for Abbotsford will bump up to 16 degrees and then a long range forecast, Julie, once we get past tomorrow, looks like we'll rebound. We'll be back into some sunshine and it's even warmer as we get in towards next week by Thursday. We're back up to 19. Back to you. Loving it. All right. Thanks, Yvonne. About 200 people got up early this morning to take part in the annual Darkness into Light Walk. <laughs> the five kilometer walk raises awareness about suicide and mental health. The annual event began in Ireland 12 years ago and has since spread to 16 countries around the globe. In Vancouver, participants began their walk through the rain at 4.15 a.m. at the Burnaby Lake Rugby Club and kept walking into the daylight. The idea is that there's light at the end of the tunnel, that there's hope, that we walk together as a group so that we share that hope with each other um, and hopefully give hope to anybody that has been impacted by suicide. Uh, good cause for mm -hmm. sure. Barry's here now with sports. And yes, and we talk a lot of nil. There's been a lot of nil-nil going on <laughs> nil. with the Whitecaps. We hope uh, that we can talk about something and not nothing after their game against Minnesota. Asa Rahman is down at uh, BC Place. We'll check in with him and Vancouver's other pro team, the Vancouver FC, who are in the uh, Canadian Premier League, play their home opener, their first ever home opener, their expansion team in their new stadium at Langley's. We'll have a story on that coming up as well. All right, thank you mm -hmm. so much. Well, still to come on Global News Hour, is it too little, too late? What Metro Vancouver is doing to keep people safe along the Capilano River. That story and more when we come back. Metro Vancouver wants you to be careful along the Capilano River. It's stepping up a public awareness campaign about the dangers of frolicking in the water below the Cleveland Dam. But some say the advertising is the region's attempt to right wrongs more than two years after a deadly error. Kamal Karamali has the story. It's probably one of the more severe things that I've encountered on the river. It's an ad campaign put forward by Metro Vancouver. Even with all that knowledge, things can still go wrong. There's innumerable number of hazards. And the message is clear. Be careful around the Capilano River. No matter how prepared you are, sometimes things will, will catch you off guard. Be aware when you're there. We're asking the public to stay on the designated trails when they're visiting the, the park and also making sure that they're, um, they look their surrounding and see a quickly changing uh, river uh, speed. The video warning partially in response to the deadly Cleveland Dam incident in October of 2020 that left one dead and another missing. When a maintenance error led to a large amount of water being released, flooding the Capilano River Canyon. Campaign is our continued efforts to uh, keep people safe around the Capilano River. Now a couple is suing Metro Vancouver and the Greater Vancouver Water District after the incident, claiming to have suffered stress and injuries that left one of them clinging onto a tree. The couple's lawyer says the safety video is a step in the right direction, but doesn't absolve Metro Vancouver of liability should another incident occur. Obviously, more steps have to be taken than just 
a newspaper warning, especially for visitors who haven't had a chance to read the newspaper. Three Metro Vancouver employees were fired after the deadly dam error, and an alarm system was installed two years ago. None of the plaintiff's claims have been tested in court, but Metro Vancouver says it continues to study the river's patterns to try and avoid a deadly incident from happening again. Kamal Kuramali, Global News. Still to come on the news hour, ready for their new digs. The Vancouver FC prepares for its inaugural home opener. Barry will have a preview when we come back. Get immersed in the world of dinosaurs at Jurassic Quest. Enjoy an interactive adventure and observe a herd of life-size animatronic dinosaurs. See a live raptor show, rides, inflatables, and more. JurassicQuest.ca for info. May is National Physiotherapist Month. Throughout the month, engage with free online resources and hear stories from BC's devoted physiotherapists to learn about the vital role physios play in team-based care. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event. Build your community. Global BC Community Hub. Bringing your worlds together. All right, Barry is back with sports and the Whitecaps desperately need that home win. Yeah, you need the three points at home in MLS because getting road points is so hard that one at a time is not going to get it done. So it's time to start winning, boys. Thanks, Julie. The, uh, while the Whitecaps have built a team record shutout streak of 410 minutes in MLS play, they are on an offensive drought of their own. They have not scored in their past two games. Will we ever see another goal at BC Place this season? Whitecaps radio voice Asa Raymond is hoping he finally gets to call the home team goal tonight. He is at BC Place to set up the match. Yes, Barry, plenty of storylines going into this one. The Whitecaps unbeaten in the last seven matches, four consecutive clean sheets as well, but uh, the goals have been hard to come by. Haven't scored in the last two matches. I'm joined by color commentator for this match, Colin Miller. Colin, what do the Whitecaps have to do to score in this game at BC Place against Minnesota? You touched on it there, Asa. The, the Whitecaps are creating a lot of chances and looking good going forward. It's very solid at the back. Uh, those clean sheets have been wonderful. I just think being brave and not being afraid to shoot I think we're trying to walk the ball into the back of the net at times. We have to be more aggressive in front of the, the, the opposition 18-yard box and keep committing players forward. The Whitecaps have been good. They've been getting into great areas, but it's just been that end product, whether it's the final cross or the actual shot on target, maybe get a rebound. doesn't matter how the ball goes in here tonight. It has to go in because we've dropped too many points here recently at home. I'm looking forward to the game. Yeah. I think it's a big, a big game here tonight for the Whitecaps, and you can almost say it's a must-win. Yeah, sure. All right, uh, Colin, great points. Uh, thank you so much uh, for that. And this should be an exciting match between Minnesota and Vancouver. Kickoff just after 7.30. And we're hoping for some goals. Thanks, guys. Uh, there's a lot of excitement in Langley. We're tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock. Canadian Premier League expansion side Vancouver FC will open its new stadium versus Cavalry FC out of Calgary. The team has only been around a few months, but already they can feel a real connection with their new fans. They can almost hear that hometown crowd roar its approval. Vancouver FC has literally watched their stadium get built in front of them. Now they can't wait to fill it with their supporters for the very first time. We started the training camp February 10th and there was no stadium. There was some uh, concrete being moved and um, now that I see the seats all there, uh, I get the goosebumps. It's kind of exciting. 
It'll definitely be a thrill when they do walk onto the pitch for their first game, but it'll be just the third time the team has ever set foot on the turf. It's a unique situation to be at your home field and to kind of be just as unfamiliar almost as uh, the teams that are coming to visit. So, you know, it's something that we'll just make the best of, right? Um, I think uh, once our fans are in the stands, I think you'll feel that it's really our home pitch. The club has had a very solid start to the season. Through three games, they have a win, a draw, and a loss. Getting away for road trips to Victoria, Toronto, and Halifax actually had some benefit for this team put together just a few short months ago. There's no better time to get to know guys than in the airport, on the plane, in the hotel, team meals, meetings, downtime, um, team walks, stuff like that. So for sure, we tried to you know take advantage of that, make the best of it. You only get to open your stadium once, and Vancouver FC wants to make a lasting impression on their fans, who have shown a lot of spirit by coming out in droves for preseason games around the Lower Mainland. Now the club gets to show them what they're all about. Commitment, unity, um, sweat and blood uh, inspires people, and I think it's important to inspire people. So I've always believed those three components, winning, entertainment and inspiration. If you can bring that in every game, I think you can uh, win fans over and they'll support you to the end of the season. Canadian Premier League action today from Ottawa. Pacific out of Victoria taking on hometown Atletico. Pacific off to a fantastic start. Sixth minute, Manny Aparicio. Neat setup for Sean Young. And it's 1-0 Pacific. Three minutes later, similar play. This time, Gennaro Daniels lays it off to Josh Hurd. He slots into the empty net. And Pacific on their way. It's 2-0. They weren't done yet. Check out this by Ayman Salouf with an incredible solo effort. Splits the D, then the cool finish. 3-0 at that point. They win it 4-1. They're now 2-1-1 through four matches. English Premiership today. Manchester City and Leeds. Man City in control of its own destiny to win another EPL title. Ilkay Gundogan got both for Man City today as they beat Leeds 2-1. So Man City four up on Arsenal with four games each left to play this season. PGA Tour is at Quail Hollow in Charlotte, North Carolina for the Wells Fargo Championship. One of those designated events, a $20 million purse. Surrey's Adam Svensson got off to a great start. Third shot out of the bunker on the par four. How about that for a birdie? Tied for the lead at eight under, but there were 11 players tied for the lead at one point. Jump to the seventh. Svensson with an eagle try from 17 feet. Oh, just slides it by, but an easy tap in birdie. Short par four, 14th. Svensson almost drove the green, but his uh, short game makes for an easy birdie here. Chips that one to just a couple feet, gets to 11 under, tied second. He was solo second playing the 18th, but then it all unraveled. After hitting the water on his tee shot, Svensson can't limit the damage. His approach takes a hard bounce into the creek again, a quadruple bogey eight, all that hard work undone. Goes from second to ninth. Wyndham Clark leads at 16 under, eight up on Svensson. The Canucks have signed their first round pick from last year's NHL draft, Jonathan Lekaramaki, to a three-year entry-level deal. Lekaramaki played in the second tier of Swedish hockey this past season, had 15 points in 15 playoff games. He could stay in Sweden next year. He won't turn 19 until July, so I'd say he's at least a couple of years away from joining the NHL. Abbotsford Canucks season came to an end last night. Game four versus the Calgary Wranglers. Second period, Christian Wolanin sets up Tristan 
Justin Nielsen's one-timer, and the Canucks were in good shape, up 2-1 after two, but Calgary tied it and then got the game winner midway through the third. Adam Klapka with the goal. Wranglers win the game through two, take the series 3-1. Abby Canucks had a pretty good season, but they are sent packing by Calgary. I mean, we had, we had a bunch of guys take big-time strides, and uh, this experience they got, you know, will be really helpful to them uh, in their summer and then coming in next season, hopefully taking another step. Um, you know, at the same time, it was all there to go further and, and gain even more experience and, and learn and more, more of these games you play. It's, uh, it's big time, right? So that's disappointing and it'll be uh, hopefully fuel for a lot of guys as they go through the summers. Stanley Cup playoffs tonight. Game two, Oilers and Golden Knights from fabulous Las Vegas. Early first, Oiler power play. Guess who scores? Leon Dreisaitl has all five Oilers goals in this series. Edmonton power play now three for four in the series. They lead the game 1-0. Then another power play. This time, Evan Bouchard winds and fires, bombing it past Laurent Brassois. Oilers 12 for 21 in the playoffs. 62% power play. That's insane. 2-0. Vegas got a power play, but... Connor McDavid stole the puck from Shea Theodore and beats Brassois with a tricky little forehand deke. 3-0 Edmonton, and they weren't done yet. Kyler Yamamoto fires wide, stays with it, sets up Dreisaitl for his 13th of the playoffs in just his eighth game. Oilers outshoot Vegas 19-4 in a dominant first, and they get another power play goal in the second. McDavid's fifth of the playoffs. All have been on the road. Oilers 3-for-5 on the power play, 14-for-24 in the playoffs. And they are tough business with the man advantage. 5-1 looking to even that series at 1-1. Baseball tonight, Blue Jays and Pirates from Pittsburgh. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. given the day off with a sore wrist. Top of the first, Brandon Belt will belt one to right field. Two runs score on the double. Jays put up four in the first to jump out 4-0, and they really just cruised from there. In the third, they will tack on 2-1. For the veteran Kevin Kiermeyer, who's come over from Tampa and been uh, very good in their outfield and at the plate, laces a base hit that scores two. Blue Jays led 7-0, and they have won this one by the final of 8-2 over the Pirates. It has not been a great week at Churchill Downs. Seven horses have had to be humanely put down due to injuries suffered in races and training. A very high number, but horsemen say it's just been an unusually bad week. And the Kentucky Derby favorite, Forte, was scratched this morning with foot soreness. But a field of 18 still ran in the 149th Derby. And for that jockey, his first over Kentucky Derby wins. That's always big for those. A lot of those guys have raced it like 15 times. I've never won, so yeah. good for him. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks so much, mm -hmm. Barry. Well, coming up on the News Hour, a look at what the Royal Canadian Mint is doing to honor King Charles. Stay with us. From the stories that affect us all to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. The 
Royal Canadian Mint launched this Majesty King Charles III Coronation Suites. It consists of two fine silver and two gold coins. Every coin features an engraving of His Majesty. Additionally, the government has announced today that the Mint will design and place an effigy of King Charles on Canadian circulation coins. A reigning monarch has appeared on Canadian coins since 1908, and the first Canadian stamp with His Majesty's portrait on it was also unveiled. The image is from when he was still the Prince of Wales, and the stamp was designed by Montreal design firm Paprika. Well, the largest youth-led festival in Metro Vancouver is back and it took over North Vancouver's waterfront this afternoon. The annual event is run by Youth for Youth, live music, local arts, skateboarding and a flurry of action-packed events took place at the shipyards today. Organizers say it's all meant to build strong connections between youth and their communities. There's actually not a ton of venues for youth to go and just, you know, have a place to showcase their talents and be themselves. So it's always great when you can do things that get them more connected with the community, get them engaged, um, and get them meeting other people. Skateboarding yeah, is definitely for the youths. I was taking a look yeah. back there. They're, yes. Uh, you fall a lot, and uh, you have to be a certain youth age to be able to get back <laughs> yes. up, and we're not we're And not we're, not there. There. we're not, not there. We're not there. <laughs> but it also helps to have nice weather to skateboard. Yeah, it does. It really does help. Uh, tomorrow, if you are making plans for Sunday, a few isolated showers and a bit more cloud cover will be for the morning hours. Should start to ease off, and then once we get past that blip in the forecast tomorrow, looks like we're back into some sunshine. It warms up even midweek, Wednesday onwards by Thursday. Those temperatures even getting up to 19 degrees. So a great stretch of warm weather, some sunshine in the mix, tomorrow morning just a bit of cloud and some isolated showers okay so hold off on scraping our knees up just yet <laughs> just yet okay <laughs> all right thank you so much Yvonne well thanks so much for being with us have a great night we'll see you at 11.